Well, Steelers fans, that was a rough Sunday. We'll help you get through through your rough Monday here on the Locked on Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We're going to break down the parts of the loss that despite 30 to 7 and how that looked against the Niners, there were some very fixable things the Steelers have in front of them that they'll need to fix as they turn around and face the Browns Monday night on Monday Night Football. Break all of that down here on the show today. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are locked on Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find the show in your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes, as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making the Locked On Steelers podcast your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job free at LinkedIn.com slash NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash NFL to post your job free. Terms and conditions apply. Now that's been said. Steelers got woofed by the 49ers. I mean, they just, they just threw the smack down on them 30 to 7. But it wasn't in a way where I've seen where it was just like, man, there was no hope anywhere. There was nothing out there that was even to be made. The Steelers just, you know, that was just like, like there were games like the Bills game last year where I was like, man, like they're just completely overmatched. And the Steelers were overmatched in this game. I'm not saying that they aren't. But there were a lot of makeable plays in this one. And I'm going to break that down throughout this uh, uh, throughout throughout this show. And I think that that's the thing that that's the biggest takeaway here is that this is all very fixable, which is a good sign for the Steelers, especially when you look at how many new pieces are on this team and young pieces on this team. New pieces, meaning the players they've got on defense, like Patrick Peterson and all the linebackers and the new pieces that are starting and young pieces like pretty much the entire offense. Let's break it down. though. Let's start with the offense. The thing is, is that the offense has to take what's there. You go back to this game, and I'm going to break down several plays in this game. I have film. I'm not allowed to put film here, but I'll walk you through the steps of the film and tell you where to find the clips that I've put up personally um, to go through what I'm talking about. But there were several plays that the offense, if they execute and not execute in a crazy way, not a not an insane pass that's you know a, a, a threaded needle 30 yards down the field in between two fenders, defenders and a one-handed catch to make an amazing play, but very reasonable plays that need to be made that could have changed the course of this game several times over. The defense, their bottom, bottom line formula is they need to win on first and second downs so that they can win more often on third downs. They got dominated in the run game, which allowed them to be dominated in the pass game. If you don't win the first part, you're not going to win the second. That's been a tale as old as time for the Steelers defense. Nothing that they were supposed to do right happened right enough. And in fact, one thing I said on the Friday show was which team could fit their blueprint a lot better. And clearly it was the 49ers in this game. But let's start diving into the minutia of this. Let's start with Kenny Pickett. 31 of 46, 232 passing yards, a touchdown, two interceptions. Now, 
in my general view of what I've seen, I've, I, I watched the game live. I was I, I kind of like speed watched it again when I got home just to break things down here um, just so I could go over things and have a better sense of what I'm talking about with it. And I just saw so many missed opportunities, so many plays that were drawn up that just needed to be executed in a better fashion. And uh, Kenny Pickett sounded like he agreed with that. When we talk to him after the game, here is Kenny Pickett at the Steelers podium talking about a few things. Listen to the different points that he touches on when we ask him questions about what he needed to focus on to be better. Kenny, what were they doing out there that was giving you problems, particularly in the first half? Yeah, we just didn't execute, honestly. I think it was more us than, than them. Um, I felt comfortable with what I was saying, what they were doing. We just didn't execute like we needed to. Did you feel like your timing was off a little bit? Um, no, I wouldn't say, wouldn't say it was a timing thing. Just, you know, need to be better. The difference in execution, you guys were able to score so often and so freely in the preseason. Just what do you attribute to that lack of execution today? I think San Fran started defense a little bit better than, you know, some teams in the preseason we played. They're a good team, but, you know, we, at the end of the day, we didn't execute anywhere near the, the level that we need to, um, that we want to. So, you know, how do you The pressure that they applied kind of changed how you were looking at things or stop you from maybe doing, like, executing more of your progressions that you were looking at today? Um, I think we held up great. Obviously, they're going to get some pass rush on me here and there. Um, I thought, you know, the guys protected really well. They were asked to do it a lot, so um, need to help them out, get the ball out fast. Guys need to get over fast and, um, you know, got to improve. Kenny, when you didn't get a first down for, like, ever, and you're falling behind slowly, how hard is it to play from behind against that defense? Yeah, yeah, so, you know, we wanted to get out fast. We didn't do that. Um, obviously, playing behind against a really good team, you're, you're putting yourself in a hole that we can't do. So, uh, moving forward, we can't, you know, allow that to happen. Kenny, the, uh, pass the fourth down pass to Fryer moved in the end zone in the second half. Was that, did you have to rush that, or was there a breakdown somewhere else that led to that play? No, it was, um, you know, Pat saw it differently than I saw it. Um, so just, you know, us communicating and, and being able to, uh, you know, connect on that. Can you walk us through uh, the, the pass that was picked off and intended for Connor Hayward? Yeah, yeah, Tampa 2, um, you know, Fred was running down the middle with, with Connor. Um, wanted to put it up and over and give Connor a chance. We're playing from behind. At some point, you got to push the ball down the field. Um, So a few things there from Kenny Pickett. One, talking about you know focusing on the execution. That's who Kenny Pickett is. And and in all the years of I covered him, I covered him for his last what three seasons at Pitt, I think something along those lines. But I covered him for for, for years at Pitt. I've seen him in his bad games. I've seen him in his good games. This is who he is. When he when he wins, he's not too high. When he loses, he's not too low. But he knows he's focused on on the next stage at every step. And I do think he can do better. When I look at what when I looked at looked at the plays and I see things, they were very routine things that we've seen him execute both in the regular season and in the preseason in uh, from last year and and leading up to this year that suggest that this guy can get it done. He just had a bad day. But like I said, I want to break this down by play by play because there was a series of plays that I think really define of what went wrong for Kenny Pickett and can help you understand what exactly why exactly i i think that he can be, play better and maybe give you the uh, make you understand where i'm coming from in this point we'll get to that on the other side of this break here on the locked on steelers podcast stick with us we got some film review to talk to talk over and also diving into the defense here on today's show on the monday episode of the locked on steelers podcast after their loss to the san francisco 49ers but first before any of that we have to remind you this show is sponsored 
by LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the number one place for people that people go look for jobs. So if you're an employer, it's the number one place to go find people looking for those jobs. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the, the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering a quality hire, delivering quality hires and le versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs help you find the candidates you want to talk to faster did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit linkedin post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on nfl that's linkedin.com slash locked on nfl to post your job for free terms and conditions apply Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. We continue our discussion of the Steelers' loss to the 49ers in my, for my first review. I want to break down for you uh, what I thought were the biggest plays that I thought encapsulated the Steelers' problems, and that was the third down failures they had in the second half, in, in the first half, excuse me, because that kind of set the tone for the rest of the game and allowed the, the Niners to break out to their, their, their really big lead. Now, I'm going to break this down step by step audibly and audibly and then trying to explain it here on the show i am not allowed to put nfl footage on this show per the rules of our locked on and we don't want to break the rules uh, rules of that the nfl have so if you want to see these plays and follow along with me i encourage you to go to my twitter page at carter critiques i have a a, a tweet that i put out around 8 52 uh on the sunday night uh that that kind of broke down each of these plays it was a, just a thread play by play um, where you could kind of follow along and uh, look at what I'm talking about while I'm explaining it here. But I'll explain it all for you here so you don't have to do it if you don't, if you don't have the time or you're driving or whatever. Anyways, what I did was I took five of the seven passing plays that were called on third downs in the first half, and of those seven plays, only one of those was was converted. Uh, and uh, the five that, that I'm looking at here were, I think, Big, you know, big examples of what went wrong for Kenny Pickett. So let's go to the first one. This was the first third down attempt from Kenny Pickett and the Steelers in this game. The, the, the Niners come out. They show two high safeties. The Steelers have some some, some good uh, passing concepts to beat cover two here because they do they they, they kind of sit there in that. And in this in this play, what happens is Kenny Pickett gets caught staring to his right. I can't tell if he's looking at George Pickens going on a, on a deep post or Pat Fryermuth running on a, a kind of middle of the field uh, hook uh, hitch. And uh, but either way, he gets caught staring there. There were two receivers that break open on this play. Allen Robinson on the left side of the formation, he runs a hitch where because of an underneath route. Excuse me, Deontay Johnson runs a hitch that uh, that was wide open because of a, of a crossing pattern run by Allen Robinson. It opens up Deontay Johnson on the left side and gives him an open spot. But Kenny Pickett never goes through his progressions to see there. But on, and, but even on the right side, George Pickens runs a deep post pattern and the safeties never even look at him. And if Kenny Pickett sees either of those and lets it go, he throws the ball before the pressure even forces him to leave the pocket. The problem is he didn't see those. And then eventually the pressure forks them, the pressure up a gap kind of forces him to move. And then eventually uh, the the left edge rusher uh, came and, and got him because he broke the pocket and then was out of position and wasn't much more Dan where could junior could do at that point. But the offensive line did hold up and Kenny Pickett did bring up a point. A lot of people were upset about the Steelers offensive line. And there were some plays where they gave up pressure. But looking back at it, a lot of the pressures that they were giving up 
were or not even were like kind of plays where there were manageable situations for Kenny Pickett to see his way out of them. Now, again, he's second year quarterback. You want to make his job easy like the Niners made Brock Purdy's job easy. We'll get to that in, in, in the next segment there when we talk about the defense. But the bottom line is that this is where, you know, you, you expect Kenny Pickett. Hey, you, you, you were drafted for your vision, your ability to command the field. That wasn't a commanding the field mode. But hey, that was just one example. Problem was it kept going. The second third down attempt was, of course, the interception that was thrown where Deontay Johnson slipped down and Charvarius Ward was in position. The biggest thing I noted on this, on what I saw, was Kenny Pickett saw man coverage and was correct. It was man coverage. But Deontay Johnson is really well covered in this play. He blanketed and... Kenny Pickett kind of stuck with him and was like, you know what? I'm going to try to put it up there to see if he can get it. And he does throw it to his back shoulder for a chance to get there. The problem is Deontay Johnson slips and the ball falls right to Jarvarius Ward. But on the backside of this play again, and this was where Allen Robinson was on the backside. He runs a deep end beyond the third down or beyond the first down marker and is wide open. The safety is over top. He can't overly commit to this play until until late. If Kenny Pickett comes off of his read uh, when he sees that Deontay Johnson's covered, he sees Allen Robinson. Now, part of this is you do have to give your your playmakers chances to make plays. Sometimes Deontay Johnson might break open there, but this is just one of the plays that are just missed in those situations. Now, that's two misses on open receivers that were schemed up uh, on 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 third down plays. Third down play. Another third down play, and this is the third third down that, that, that they missed on. And this might be the worst of the well, one of the this might be of the worst that were there because this is another play where two options were open, and this wasn't even just a, a missed read. This was just a missed throw because you had Pat Fryermuth at the sticks, literally wide open, and then Deontay Johnson about ten yards beyond that, even more wide open and running with space in front of him, and. Pickett just overthrows Johnson, just completely misses him. And he's not being touched. He's not being rushed. He just, he just, he just has to deliver a standard about 20 yard throw. And he just missed entirely. And it was just very bad. And if he hits Deontay Johnson there at this point, they're down 10, there's three minutes left in the first quarter. Deontay Johnson is on the run. He might get, you know, 10, 20 more yards, even on top of that, it changes the tone of the game. The offense finds its confidence. These are the things that just didn't happen in this game. Those are a must have throws. Then the fourth play that we're that we're going to go over. Now, I skipped the third and twenty where he got sacked because it's third and twenty. You're not expecting him to do that, but there was the play where he threw to Pat Farmuth, where Pat Farmuth slipped down. That seemed to be an issue. I don't think it's something where the field is bad or anything. They just had bad luck at the wrong times. Um, you know that that stuff happens, but you got to fight through it. This was the pass here where, where Fryermuth slipped that I thought was the least on Kenny Pickett because he does deliver a, deliver a catchable ball, but he just slipped, loses his footing, and in doing so, lost concentration and couldn't bring in the pass. But even on this play, you had Pat Fryermuth open, you had Darnell Washington open, and you had Deontay Johnson open, who was open afterwards, and he was open on way further downfield. This was just a, a can't-get-right type of day for Kenny Pickett in this offense where guys were just wide open in different spots. And this goes back to my point and what you may be understanding that I'm drilling home without having to say it too, out too loud. Do not be putting that on Matt Canada. These are wide-open plays that you expect your quarterback to make and that Kenny Pickett expects himself to make. And I think that's a really important factor in this because Kenny Pickett holds himself to a high standard. He knows that he didn't live up to his expectations, as as his teammates also didn't. And he's going to push himself to be better so he can push them to be better. And that's part of the growing process that you're going to see with a young quarterback. Then the fifth play that we're going to go over, and this 
probably is the worst miss of, of, of them all because it was third down. The Steelers were in the red zone. This was after the big Najee Harris run that kind of sprung them down the field. They get down the field. It's third and third and, and you know six or so. Deontay Johnson's in the slot, just does what he does well, breaks open to the middle part of the field. He's wide open. This should be an easy, just throw it to him, catch it, and he would walk into the end zone. Pickett throws it behind him and low and misses him. And you can even see his face afterwards where he's just like, like I'm having the worst day ever and this to, to Kenny Pickett's point that he said in the video that we played in the first segment of the show that's not about the Niners that's not about some great defensive scheme or Nick Bosa who actually was kind of tamed in, in in this game it wasn't him that was giving them the biggest fits but these are all very makeable plays and that's my bottom line here is that all these plays we're talking about and I'm just highlighting the all the third down plays that, that that were in the in the first half he executes these and these are very reasonable plays to be executed this is a completely different game. It opens things up. It keeps drives alive. It keeps the defense off the field so they don't get as tired. They're not being uh, abused as much. Uh, there's there's a chances for the Steelers to be in this game, and that's where it comes down to. Now, if you're probably sitting here and saying, well, Chris, it sounds like he just stunk, and yes, he did. That's the bottom line here. But the but again, I go back to saying, it's like, okay, so is this the real Kenny Pickett? It's all about stacking days. In the summer, if you remember – he stacked, he, he stacked days as well. The first, if you remember, go back to some of the first practices we covered at training camp. He was making some mistakes. He wasn't putting the ball on the money. It, it kind of, he didn't, you know, he kind of made, he was kind of all over the place at times. But then after a couple bad ones, he had some really good ones. And then he stacked a lot of good ones. And then the preseason came and he stacked good preseason days. Yes, those days don't count on, on the stat sheet like this one does. But I think that when you go back and you look at at the Steelers and what it what, what they were what he did did over that time he built up momentum that momentum obviously has fizzled since then and part of that is all goes into you know what young how young quarterbacks develop the mechanics that go into it and all the different factors that play into how a player can show up on game day. But the bottom line is for Kenny Pickett he has to do what he did in training camp he has to cut off the bad days get back on it have good days and if he has good days that sets him up to start to start stacking good days but it starts with having good uh, having one good day uh, he has to start that with practice this week and then he has to ultimately show it when they take on the Cleveland Browns next next Monday night uh at Acrisure Stadium with a chance to kind of even the score even the score and get back to one and one on uh on, on the week but I want to make it clear like bad games are gonna happen especially with a, with a young quarterback it just it just depends. Does Kenny Pickett limit how many of those bad days happen at this point, or do they compound upon themselves? Again, as a person who covered him, I saw him limit those bad days quite quite a lot. But that was at college. This is the NFL. We'll see how he does there moving forward. I'll have more time to review him and other parts of the offense. We barely got into the offensive line and things that they did. We'll do that as the week goes on. I wanted to focus specifically on what I saw from quarterback play, because to me, that was the biggest factor that I thought really played into what went entirely wrong for the Steelers. But we got to talk about the defense. We will do that in the third segment here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Stick with us. We got clips from TJ Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick explaining what went wrong against the Niners. We'll talk about that in a minute here. Stick with with us because we got a lot more to do. But first, before we do anything else, I want to remind you guys, this show is also sponsored by 
FanDuel Sportsbook, the number one sportsbook in America. So get ready for for the NFL season. Week one is is well underway. We got Monday night football still still to go. And with America's number one sportsbook, FanDuel, you can get in on all the action. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 get $100 of NFL off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, so you can be on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOnNFL and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Back here in the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. We continue our coverage of the Steelers after their romping at the hands of the San Francisco 49ers, 30-7. to So I look back at this game, and the biggest takeaway that I had as far as, you know, what was going on with the run game is that they got bullied the way that the Steelers want to bully other teams but they only got bullied in certain spots and that's where I find it really interesting one I didn't think Montrevious Adams should be starting on the D tackle I said that after preseason I said that during preseason I said all along that should be probably Braden Fajoko's job and it really looked like that should be the case moving forward even though he's on the practice squad I know I know I know Montrevious Adams is more is more diverse he can line up at different spots in the D line and that's important and all but you need somebody who can stuff the run against teams that like to run the ball like the Niners and they didn't have that in the middle of their defensive line and it showed and next week, you're going up against the Cleveland Browns, who also like to run the ball, so maybe you'll want to do that again. So that's one of my big, my, my big criticism I do have for the Steelers' personnel decisions that they've had as far as coaching and everything else. That's something that's up. But execution on the field-wise still can also be better. I don't think the Steelers were shocked by anything the Niners did. They just got they just got beat to the point of attack. And one thing I kept seeing was the Niners smart smart attack plan. They went away from TJ Watt and Colton McKivitz the side where TJ Watt, the one Steeler who dominated in in his job, he had three sacks in this game. They went away from TJ Watt. They went towards Alex Highsmith's side. They would double up on Highsmith. They would they would double up on the defensive lineman on his side and try to make it so that Christian McCaffrey was up against, you know, one defend one defensive back in 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 space and that led to plays like his 65 yard touchdown um we talked to tj watt i asked him what he thought about some of the run concepts san fran threw at them here was tj watt at the steelers podium after the game when answering that question tj were there any run concepts that made have caught you guys off guard or just made, made some miscommunications happen up front no i mean i i think i don't think we were caught off guard by any of the run concepts watched a lot of film like they ran that toss a good amount of time it's just a matter of getting guys in their gaps and tackling we talked about them being very tough to get down on the ground and we're gonna need all hats to the ball today and uh we weren't able to do it I think one thing that happened there, and TJ talking about, you know, needing guys to be in their gaps and make and make tackles. I, I do think that there is a there was a chemistry issue as far as timing with things, and I think that's something that is going to happen when you have an entirely new linebacker room and you have you know newer defensive linemen that you're trying to fit all together. And this is this is a group that's still kind of figuring things out. 
Um, that, that stuff is going to happen, but you still need your guys to stand up in the right moments and be more physical at the point of attack. They got better as it went along last year. If you remember the start of last year, they were getting run over uh, quite a few times, uh, um, and that was a big problem. And I know TJ Watt wasn't in those games, but that's something the Steelers need to address, and that is at the core of who the Steelers' defense has to be when it's good. And it wasn't good on Sunday. Let's make that very clear. As bad as the offense was, the defense was also pretty bad. But that's part of the formula here. And I, I go back to, I remember, it was, I think it was 2014. I think it was 2014. because I think, I think it was uh, Ryan Chazier's rookie season. And I remember hearing him profess exactly what the problem was. And the Steelers were starting off pretty rough that season as well, if I remember. And he, he said, the bottom line is you got to win on first down and, and second down so you can w- have a better chance to win on third downs. You've got to keep teams from just being able to run the ball so that you can then play better in the passing game. That was a Dick LeBeau concept. That was a Chuck Noll concept way back in the day. That's just the bread and butter of what needs to happen. And it wasn't happening in this game. Christian McCaffrey ran 22 times for 152 yards. And if you say, oh, well, you know, 65, 65 of those yards was uh, – uh, was from was from one play on that touchdown run. Yep, and the other twenty one carries still averaged him over like four and a half, four and a, almost four and a half yards per carry. You can't let that happen. And that was the that was the bottom line was that the Steelers they, they their run defense got bullied. It allowed everything else to be set up afterwards. And I look at that, and it, it makes me wonder a lot, a lot of different things. You know, is is this? You know, Cam Hayward when he got hurt, how hurt is he? Because he tried to go back out there. You saw him. I mean, I saw, I saw him go back on the field, be ready and all. And then the very next play, you could see him just limping. He had a groin injury. He's older. We got to see how long he takes to heal from that. Valerio Gonjovi. I did. I, you know, I. I didn't see him making a whole lot of differences in the game, but I also haven't studied him too closely. DeMarvin Leal, I felt like, did a better job. I think Keanu Benton had some moments. But all in all, the defensive line needed to do better. And behind them, the linebackers were getting swallowed up a lot faster by the the, the Niners' run blockers. And again, that sets a tone. And so I I point to that, and I think that that's the bottom line behind this. But you also can't deny in this that in this game, Brock Purdy looked very good. He was able to move. He was able to stay on time with his reads. He was able to to take the very much designed things. He was hitting the throws that Kenny Pickett was supposed to hit. When plays were designed to be there, he hit them, and that opened up everything else and allowed them to kind of have that balanced look that the Steelers are going for. He finished 19 of 29 for 220 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And the one time he fumbled, he somehow recovered it on his back. I don't know how you do that, but he did it. I was really impressed by Brock Purdy. And I've been impressed by him before, but this was now like you've had some games to put your tape out there. And the Steelers, you know, came at him and he didn't blink. And that the few times when the Steelers did get pressure on him, he didn't allow it to collapse what he was doing. And he didn't, he didn't allow it to break from what he was looking at downfield. And he found his guys eight of eight targets, eight receptions, 129 yards and two touchdowns for Brandon. Ayuk. he was spectacular. Steelers did limit Kittle because he was, he caught three of six targets for 19 yards. They limited McCaffrey in the receiving game, three for 17 yards on five targets. Uh, Debo Samuel, five for 55 yards, not, really limited but you know didn't break the game open but it was Brandon Ayuk who broke who broke the game open 
And part of that was because Brock Purdy took what was there. And again, it all comes down to needing to win those early downs. I asked Minka Fitzpatrick about, you know, things in the, in the, the, the Niners passing game that got to them. Here was him in the Steelers locker room after the game when I asked him about that. You had a lot of receivers that were breaking open at different points, even when you guys really get pressure. What were they doing to get guys open? Well, I think we're just playing zone, and they're just sitting in zone windows and stuff like that. There's only one or two plays where people were just scat free wide open. Um, but besides that, I think it was just zone, zone defense. How do you counter an offense like that? Just got to smash the run. Don't allow them to uh, get chunks passing the ball and win first and second down. So bottom line, very simple answers there from Minka Fitzpatrick. But to me, that's that is the bottom line. That that is exactly the truth as far as what the Steelers need to do to fix their defensive problems. They stuff the run. They force more third and thirds and longs. They can't. They, the the Niners have to have to let Brock Purdy sit in the pocket a little bit longer. And then the corners and safeties, they don't have to worry about the underneath stuff as much. They can just sit back, play the sticks. And and make more judge, you know, make more solid judgment judgment calls as far as what angles they want to take, what leverages they want to apply. But when you're dealing with second and four or second and five, and then third and four, third and three a lot, it makes it easier for the offense to then say, okay, you have to guard so many different things to get us off the field in this play. And that was the problem the Steelers ran into. And even when they had some third, third and longer situations, eventually, you know, you they only were had to hit maybe like a few of those. And that to me was the bottom line that the Steelers needed to get back to in this game. You know, one thing I, I looked at and I got to look at again in this game, Minka Fitzpatrick, the one time I really noticed him was when he blitzed and he just attacked the wrong shoulder of Brock Purdy on a blitz and allowed him to escape and make a big throw. But they stayed away from Minka Fitzpatrick. Wherever he lined up, Brock Purdy and the, and the Niners office did a good job. We are not going in that direction. We're going elsewhere. And that leads me to my next point, which something that I'm going to explore as the week goes on. We get more chance to like watch things, but man, the cornerback play looked really suspect. Patrick Peterson was, was targeted quite a bunch. I still have to go back and look at how many times and all that kind of stuff, but he gave up two touchdowns when he was targeted one where he just slipped and didn't break on, didn't break on a route. Another where it was a 50, 50 ball and he just lost out on it. The 50, 50 ball. Dip, dem, dems the brakes. Those happen. It was actually good coverage. He forced the ball. I mean, the ball had to be perfect, and Ayuk had to make a perfect catch. Both happened. You get beat sometimes. The slip, maybe he just slipped because he just had poor footing in the moment, something, you know, bad luck in that situation, but the Steelers had a few slips, like Pat Fryer with Deontay Johnson, and man, it was just seemed like all the slips kept going against the Steelers. Either way, those were rough moments, but Levi Wallace, I thought, even though he didn't get the touchdowns on him, I thought he might have had the worst day because he was out of position. He was getting beat left and right. He was missing tackles. It was a rough day for the corners. And I know some people are saying, well, why didn't they put Joey Porter Jr. in? It's a good question. I don't know. Maybe they feel like they, you know, I think that one thing that Mike Tomlin said was you know, they wanted to, uh, they, they didn't want to put too much on the younger players to come out immediately. Um, and that ends and to be put into more win, winning situations or winnable situations, something along those lines. And I get that that concept. I, I I thought there was one play. I'm not. I don't think you guys could see it on TV. There was one play where the Steelers were setting up on defense, and 
Joey Porter Jr. starts to run to the field and he's just so excited. And you can see he's like, let's go. I'm ready. And then like you hear like you, you didn't hear. You just see that whoever it was on the sideline, it might have been the DB's coach. But he just see him just like waving back. No, come on back. And you see Joey just put his head down like, man. And he just comes back to the sideline. He's pissed. And you can just see he was just like, I thought it was my time. But maybe it needs to be his time. Now, granted, it's one game. Bad things happen to everybody. But this was part of the worries for having, you know, two starting cornerbacks who are a bit slower in Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson now in his his older age. And we'll see. Maybe, maybe this that maybe this was a one-off. Maybe they're back to being in position and winning certain situations. But it's one of many things they have to review from run defense to run offense to pass defense to pass offense. Maybe the only thing they have they didn't have to review was special teams because they at least made the only kick they tried. They had go oh, well, Presley Harvin actually didn't have a good day, so I guess they do have to review that too. But Anthony McFarlane, I thought, had some good returns. But all, all in all, this was a terrible performance that just compounded upon itself with more and more mistakes. The Steelers have to make sure that those compounded mistakes end very soon. They can afford to lose an, uh, you know, another game in the early part of the season, but they can't afford for them to keep going. And it would be important for them to stop to, to stop that and cut that off and get a division win next next week when they play the Browns on Monday Night Football in Week Two. But like I said, there's a lot of layers to this. There's a lot to review, a lot of blame to go around. We'll get to we'll get to the blame uh, to go around. Uh, as the week goes on tomorrow, we'll have stars and skulls. Our, our, our grades portion of the show will be back and ready to go. We'll also have Alan Saunders on the show, breaking things down for you so that we could kind of go over things together. And the biggest parts that we think the Steelers need to improve heading into next week. We'll see you right here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Thanks again for tuning in, everyone. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Read my work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Um, where you can find find me there covering University of Pittsburgh, as well as the North Shore Drive podcast there. And of course, find me on the on the, on the Locked On Steelers podcast Mondays through Fridays um, on favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes. Thanks again, everybody. Hope that you get through a rough Monday, Steelers fans. But don't worry, we'll have more coming your way Tuesday to see if you can help you if you can get get back on your rebound, just like the Steelers need to get back on their rebound in week two.